Hey everyone, we have got a treat for you today. Are you trying to grow your social media account, right? Do you find it a challenge with the ongoing algorithm? You want to get more engagement. You want to get more followers. Maybe it's as just a stylist behind the chair. You're trying to grow your book. Maybe you're becoming an educator and you want to get more noticed online by other stylists so you can grow your profile, be more in demand for your education classes, get you know requested for, for classes, get requested for shows. This is a reality in our world that's just, it's a challenge, right? It's a struggle. How do we get over the hump? How do we get that increased visibility? How do we use the platforms properly, right? To maximize our ability to stand out above the crowd, right? Get noticed and get more either clients or again, stylists, salons requesting us, if that's what we're looking for. Today, we're sitting down with an icon in our industry, Adrian Dara, not only she performed, uh, you know, at Redken Symposiums uh, online, she is a giant. She has got so many online programs, over 285,000 followers on Instagram. She's growing rapidly on TikTok. We're sitting down with her today to really talk about concrete best practices, right? How has she gone about it? How has she grown her following? How does she build the engagement? And just her experience and, and tips that she's encountered along the way, really want to give you a ton of tools. We go really, really in depth in this episode. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Great interview with Adrian Dara. Let's go. Welcome to the Salon Scoop, a podcast by Salon SOS. I'm your host, Scott Moon, the founder of Salon SOS, and I'm obsessed with helping salon professionals live their best life. In this show, we shop talk all things salon to bring you real life stories, debates, entertainment, and inspiration to help you find happiness and success in this beautiful industry. If you work in the salon industry in any capacity, this podcast is open to you. So set down your scissors or rinse out that toner and let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Salon Scoop podcast. We have an exciting episode for you today. We are here with the one and only Adrian Dara. If you are online in any capacity, you probably already know her, but we're going to get to know her a little, little bit better and deeper. Uh, you might already be one of her close to 200 and. 50 or is it 280,000 followers? I'm not sure, uh, but it's uh, certainly an, an astronomical number. Um, but Adrian has really had, you know, just tremendous success in our industry, elevating herself as not just a, an online influencer, but really a premier educator in our industry. And if you haven't seen one of her classes or, or education uh, tutorials, videos, you're going to get exposed to so much incredible information in this episode. We're going to delve into some best practices and learn from her so that you, as a, whether you're an upcoming stylist, you're a, in the education world and trying to step up your game, we're going to really try to break down some best practices that you can learn from. So first of all, Adrian Darris, thank you so much for being here with us today and, and sharing uh, some of your wisdom and insights. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share everything. Yeah, well, let's just delve right in. I want to try to you know, maximize our time and get real content and value for our listeners today. So um, first question that we always ask all of our guests before we delve into the nitty gritty is, if you could do the hair of any celebrity that you've never done before, who would it be and why? Who's your dream celebrity to work with? Oh, wow. I have actually never thought about this question before. Um, so I think I would have to say, well, okay, let me rephrase. I love making people super blonde. Like, I love that. So maybe just anyone who wants to be maybe like Margot Robbie. She has such a beautiful natural base. All right. Let's, um, for you know, for our listeners out there who who don't know who you are, Maybe you can give us a, a quick snapshot of your story, right? Like, tell us, you know, what was the trigger to get you into the industry? 
where you started and sort of just the top line journey to get you to where you are today? Sure. Um, you know, I actually went to college before I went to cosmetology school. Um, I always wanted to be a, a hairstylist, um, very much um, was passionate about wanting to do hair, but was just kind of confused on, you know, if it was a real career. So went to college, graduated, immediately went to cosmetology school, um, <laughs> which makes no sense. And then uh, from there, I ended up working at a salon for seven and a half years. It was such a great opportunity because it was a mom and pop shop. So I kind of had my hands in everything. And then I just sort of organically moved into opening my own salon. And then after doing that for several years, organically moved into having an education studio. So that's where we are today. Nice. And I like how you use the word organically. Everything's just been organic. <laughs> what was the, what, what was one of the triggers? When did you first sort of get into the, the education world, you know, teaching classes, uh, maybe, I don't know if you were an educator, you know, going into salons or if you started off, you know, more with, uh, with shows, give us a little bit of a background there. Well, the first class I ever taught was in 2013, and I was very active on Facebook at that time. And I was really only like catering to clientele, posting photos of my work. And I had a salon owner locally reach out to me and say, um, you know, do you ever come to salons and teach classes? And I had never done it before. And I wrote back, I said, I do it all the time. And <laughs> so I went and I taught a class there. And I'm sure, you know, if I reflected on it today, it was probably not the best. Um, but I really felt hungry for it after. And from there, I, I started offering, um, you know, classes. And I have been just actively teaching and growing my education since 2013. Wow, amazing. That's kind of a an interesting start. So it wasn't even by design. That's why I guess organic, someone just asked you if you would uh, if you would teach a class and you kind of go with the fake it till you make it approach. Um, yes. I love that. I love that. Did you at some point sort of decide, okay, this is a path that I feel is going to be more fulfilling, you know, personally more lucrative financially to, you know, start actually getting yourself formally trained as a as a trainer let's say you know taking some classes with distributors manufacturers to kind of help you become a better teacher how did that come about well i will tell you this i didn't take any sort of training courses to learn how to teach um but one thing that was extremely helpful to me is i have um uh, my mom does for her job she used to do a lot of public speaking so it was really helpful because she gave me a lot of great just coaching notes and tips for when I was writing my curriculums for my classes. And I found that through teaching a lot, it sort of helped me to see what worked and what didn't. I'm not someone who's super nervous in front of a crowd. Um, but I think really to sort of jump back to your original question about it, I think I learned as I went. And I, I think sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. You have to be able to take ownership of if maybe you didn't do your best that day. But the reason I ended up pursuing full-time education for the most part is mainly because I can't describe, I think other educators can relate to this, the feeling that you get inside your body when you finish teaching. It is a level of fulfillment that almost feels euphoric. And I, you know, get stylists ask me all the time, they'll DM me and say, you know, I want to become an educator. Um, you know, like, you know, tell me about it. And I always say only educate if you feel like if you couldn't teach a class ever again, you couldn't go on. Cause that's really how I feel every moment. Um, every moment that I'm teaching. And I will just say, I will teach anywhere to anyone I don't care. I'll teach in the basement of, you know, a warehouse and it can be, you know, raining. I, I don't care. For me, it is just one of my great passions. I completely understand where you're coming from. I, I, I feel the same way. I, I have the, um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to teach a lot of 
marketing classes to our industry, right? I, I teach a lot about business building, digital marketing, uh, tips, tutorials. I was just in Toronto a few days ago uh, teaching a few classes. And I remember Sunday after uh, after the day sort of getting back and I was on just such a high. And it every time it just really reiterates that, you know, this is almost like a, a calling uh, of something that I just love to be able to do is to sort of transmit knowledge, see the, the eyeballs, you know, sort of light up in the room when you are able to transmit something that that obviously is sinking in and resonating with, with someone in your audience, right? Totally. I mean, it's, it's a one of a kind feeling that I think you really can't capture with a lot of things. And I also think in general, anyone that chooses to educate in any industry, whether, you know, you're in something creative or something that's maybe more corporate um, minded, I just think the idea of impacting people and not just entertaining people and seeing real change that you're able to make, it's not even like an ego thing. It's like it's it's like you yearn to be able to help people in your heart. And, and I'm with you on that. That's how I feel every time I teach. Yeah, love that. If you, you know, let's bring it to our people in the audience that are listening who they feel that themselves, they, they love being able to, to educate and, and teach but they're at the beginning stages of it and they're not really sure and they they want to learn you know you learned just by by doing and getting better and better at it as you went along would you have any suggestions recommendations for people out there for them to become better at it quicker faster what are some some directions that they could take for sure. I mean, I actually think attending a lot of different types of classes would be helpful because you can see what different teaching styles are. You can see some not so good classes and some great classes, and it will give you an idea of what, based off of your personality, right, what kind of an educator you're going to be because I actually think that is the best way to go about it, um, mainly because of the fact that in general, just like behind the chair, we attract clients to the type of personality and style that we are. And it's the same thing with being an educator is, you know, the only way that your classes are going to start to fill up more and more is because people come to your classes and they tell your fr their friends. And it's that same type of person, personality trait coming to your classes. So I think going and attending lots of different education is helpful for you to gauge where you want to land as an educator. And I also think for real, I know for me, obviously I was fortunate enough that I have a parent who does public speaking, but I actually think taking a public speaking class can be really helpful because one of the things that I will say is if you're going to commit to teaching, you have to commit to talking the entire class. You know, the moment that you stop talking in a class and you're just doing, people check out. And so you have to be able to pivot your conversation and keep people engaged, you know, and, and I'll say one more thing. Something else I have always thought about that would be very helpful to educators out there is taking an acting class. Because the important thing about that is you learn how to perform. And even though it's not a, like a false performance, you still have to have a stage presence. So I yes. think those two things are really beneficial. While they may not be an actual course, I just think that they would be great things to help someone who, who wants to get into it. Absolutely. That's a great, uh, great piece of advice. Love that. So let's take this into the digital realm a little bit because you talked about you need to, you know, deliver to your audience so they tell their friends if you want to grow people who want to come to your come to your classes, take your education. Obviously, digital is a platform that can allow us to reach a lot more people a lot quicker. And you have are a phenomenal example of that and growing your following. So can you give us a bit of a sense of how you started your Instagram journey and at what point you it triggered inside of you that you were going to use this as sort of a business building tool to grow as opposed to just, okay, here's another social media platform where I'm going to post some pictures and, and be, you know, social. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the longest time I was using Instagram when it first came out, right? Um, I'm part of the generation before Instagram. Um, when it first came out, I was really just posting uh, photos of hair because I was trying to attract clients. 
And when I started dabbling more in teaching, I really pivoted my social media platform to be more about speaking to the hairstylist out there. So one of the very first things I started doing that really catapulted it, this is probably in, I would say it was like 2015 that it really started taking off my page. Um, is I had a little tripod and a ring light and I used to just film myself doing people's hair. And I see that trend has sort of returned now, which is very cool. Um, And it would just be sort of a a sped up version of the entire appointment. And then in the caption, I would talk about, okay, here were the steps we took in this appointment. Um, This was a four hour service. Um, Here's what we talked about in the consultation. So I was very descriptive to make sure that the viewer that was watching it um, was able to kind of come up with questions about my process. And I found that people started asking questions and I would respond in the comments. And so it just, I keep using the word organically, but I do feel like nothing I've done in terms of my teaching in my career has been forced. It's all been just being pushed into the next sort of chapter, if you will. Because I very much, um, I'm very much a type of let's see what happens type of person and not a super intensive planner, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the, the targeting. As you mentioned, when you first were posting on social media, it was for clients that would come to see you behind the chair, but then you pivoted and you were speaking to a target that was other hairstylists. And this is a big dilemma, I think, for a lot of stylists out there that are in the education realm, because you kind of have two different target markets if you're still working actively behind the chair in a salon, but you're also trying to build yourself as an educator. How do you sort of recommend people deal with that dichotomy, really? Well, you mean in terms of like posting and like how yeah. to pivot sort of or position themselves, I guess? Exactly. If you if you keep one account and you're sort of posting, but some of it is talking to potential clients who are going to become guests in your chair and some of your content is towards other stylists and teaching them because what you would post to a stylist and tell them about the techniques, this was a four hour appointment and here's what I did is not something that's super interesting for a consumer who might come to get their hair color done with you, right? So it's so funny. I literally just had this conversation with a stylist uh, that I was coaching this morning. And she is, you know, it's the same deal. She wants to educate, but also wants to attract new clientele. So what I recommend is that make that post, you know, whether it's a video or a photo so that you see the process in its entirety. And I think the beginning part of the caption should be outlining what the services were, how long it took and what your process was. And then the last thing you should say is to the client reading this. And then you can even say my client, you know, was naturally a blonde looking to shift into something deeper for the fall. An appointment like this we can do, but it may take several steps to achieve. So that way in every post, you have something for the stylist and something for the client. Because I don't, I think you miss an opportunity in a post if you're only, if you're trying to attract both and you're only speaking to one. I think there's a way that you can always speak to, you know, the group as a whole. Nice. It takes a little more, a little more thought, obviously, to kind of carefully craft your, your caption and make sure that you're touching upon things. Would you still get into details of, you know, formulations uh, in a caption like that? I would, but I think that if you want to save sort of those formulation things for your story, I love the idea of having a highlight that's a formula highlight on your Instagram. And this way you can even, you know, it's almost like by having a formula highlight, I tell stylists this a lot, you become a resource for other stylists, right? If they're in the color room and they're struggling with Um, you know, what they should formulate for their client. And they remember, oh, I remember, you know, Adrian has a formula highlight. I can go to her page and see if there's anything similar to what my client is hoping to achieve. But yes, I think, I still think any opportunity to share your formulas is important because 
I also think in general, whether it's in the story or on the page, you want to be a resource for clients and you want to be a resource for stylists because then you're sort of the encyclopedia, if you will. Yeah. I mean, and people are going to want to come to you, especially if they like something that you've done and they've tried it out. They're like, wow, that was great. I want to come back for more. Right. Right. And that's what you're trying to build, right? You want them coming back for more because you are a constant source of value to your audience. And, you know, ultimately I always say that's like the key, the key message that you need to be thinking about in your head when you're thinking about what to post, what content to put out there is just make sure that you are providing value to your target audience, whoever that might be, right? If you're just talking to potential customers, then how are you providing value? Don't just post a picture of hair and say, hey, what a beautiful, you know, uh, blonde balayage. Give them some kind of insight behind it. Give them some kind of value about maintaining it, what goes into it. Uh, make it sound, you know, especially unique that they're going to want more information and even drive the comments. I like what you talked about earlier. You, your captions stimulate questions so that people are writing you in the comments and then you're responding. That's again, a form of education that you're doing through your digital posts, correct? Absolutely. I mean, the more like that you can engage with your audience, even on social media, uh, the more it's almost going to, they will sort of create what direction they want you to go as an educator, even, because that's actually what happened for me. I mean, if you go to my Instagram page, there is so much Red Can Shades EQ content on there. And I think what really happened, I don't remember the point when this happened, but I know for certain that I started putting in my formulas and thought, well, what if besides putting in my formulas, I put the why behind it, why I chose this. And the amount of comments I started getting really made me realize there's a market for this where people really want this type of education. Um, and I just sort of, you know, rolled with it. Love that. Now, I know that you have two different Instagram accounts, one that's just Adrian Dara and one Adrian Dara Education, correct? I actually have three. I, <laughs> I have a third one, the Lightning Library, which is a private education group. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of you know, when you decided I need to have a second account and I need to have a third account and how you balance the content for that. Absolutely. So obviously my Adrian Dara one is the original one. Um, the Adrian Dara hair education one, I, you know, it's so interesting because I, when I first started posting on it years ago, I would post, you know, a flyer for an upcoming class. And I'd say, hey guys, you know, I'm gonna be in Boston teaching, you know, I hope to see you there. But I realized there wasn't a whole lot of traction um, or, you know, what's even the point of following this account uh, when I could just see that same flyer on the Adrian Dara Instagram. And yeah. so I realized I wanted to, I just have so much content that I wanna teach. So I thought, why not? just have two pages. And so I do a lot more of tips and tricks on the Adrian Dara hair education one. And then I do, so almost like fast education. And then I do on my primary one, my Adrian Dara one, more in-depth education. Um, and then the Lightning Library, I actually started that in 2018. And this was when subscription groups were really just starting to happen. Um, some people would have Patreon accounts and I thought, let me start an education group and sort of see how it goes because I want to do tutorials and I want to do business coaching. And that was in 2018. And, uh, today we have over 1200 members. So it really took off and it's one of my great passions. I love being on there. It feels very safe in there. It's a place where you can, um, be whoever you need to be and ask whatever questions you have. And I'm here to answer them. Love that. Maybe we can quickly, people might be saying, how do you have time for all this? Like, do you still do hair for, for clients in salon? At what percentage of your time are you focused on, on that versus your education and maybe quickly how that, how that morphed over, over time? Sure. So I am actively taking clients behind the chair. Um, I don't take new clients. 
Um, but I'm usually behind the chair anywhere between one to two days a week. And then the rest of the time, I'm primary focused on education. I do a lot of travel teaching as well as I have the privilege of getting to represent Redkin at the hair shows. And so I, you know, um, my 95% of my time is education and 5% is with my client base. But I, I love being behind the chair still. I think I will always need that because um, that makes me feel really, really good being active behind the chair. Yeah, absolutely. It keeps you in touch also, right, with the with the craft. and Because um, if you're teaching others how to be successful stylists behind the chair, I think there's still a ton of credibility for you to be doing that you totally. know, still on your own. What would you say are some best practices that you have learned? You obviously put out a ton of content yourself. So what? how would you give advice to other stylists who are you know, delving in the education world, maybe at the earlier stages? Maybe even they've been an educator for a while, but they haven't been that active on social media. What are some best practices that you find have been working for you in terms of building your Instagram engagement, you know, with your community, building up the following? What can you share on that, uh, on those insights? I mean, I think the first thing is um, answer, not to go back to this, but answering as many of the questions in the comments as possible. Um, if you get DMs and it's something you can answer comfortably, right? Um, obviously, sometimes you have to say, you know, hey, listen, I think, you know, I'm not in person here. So I, I don't want to tell you what formula to use if this is a corrective color. But just as as much information as you can give people. And I think the biggest thing is, if you can lead answering all those questions with kindness, and realize that people are, are all in different stages of their careers. And um, it can feel really scary to ask someone a question sometimes. So making sure that you are just gracious for having that, that person look to you as a resource. And I think also in terms of like, if you do start teaching, I will advertise my like classes every single day on my social media. I make sure that in every post I have like the way I teach, if so, I hope to see you at one of my upcoming classes and I list all of the class dates, the locations, and then tell them how to get a ticket. So just make sure that you make it very easy for them essentially to find you. Yep. Love that. What about reels versus carousels versus posts? And then we'll even sort of jump into stories, kind of the content that you put in stories versus, but let's just start with, you know, reels versus posts versus carousel posts. Uh, so we'll say singular posts versus carousel posts. Do you use all three? Do you use, uh, you know, vast majority of, of one versus the other? What do you find gets you the most, uh, the most traction? Yeah. So I only post reels. I haven't posted a photo since I'm like 1824. <laughs> um, it's been a long time. Um, so I will only post reels and I never post a reel with music as the background. If I post a reel, I am doing a voiceover in it, which is another really great thing. If you want to be an educator, it kind of is good practice for educating um, and teaching you sort of how to train the pace of the way that you're educating and speaking. Um, but I will only do reels. I think that they are really effective, real e effective. Get it? Okay. Uh, oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that is it. That is all I will post. I will not stray from that. And would that be your advice to, uh, to other educators in today's world? Absolutely. Because especially to, Think about what you might stop and scroll, like stop scrolling for a video or like a singular post, right? You want to kind of see this mini movie. And so make that mini movie for the audience and get them engaged and get them excited. And also, I always make sure that whatever my cover page is on my reel, the verbiage I have on there is engaging and captivating. So rather than saying blonde balayage, you might say as your, you know, as your title on the page, you might want to say um, 
my client wanted to go blonde. Here's how I did it. Yeah, you've got to hook them, right? And yes, I say like a social media post is no different than, you know, the headline, you know, that you would see on a, an old, an old school advertisement, or even, you know, a TV commercial is still the same. Like you have to, in the first like three seconds, capture someone's attention because people tune out, uh, you know, the TV commercials and same thing when you're scrolling and scrolling, you know, through Instagram or TikTok, or whatever social media feed you're on, the natural tendency for people is just very loosely they're scrolling. You have to have something that really stops and catches their attention. So the that first, let's say, tile image that you have uh, and the text that you put on, or if you are speaking, start with a bit of a hook that's going to make people really interested in sticking around. All of this, not only does it make them stick around, you know, for that one post, but all of these are triggers for the algorithm. Everybody talks about, oh, the Instagram algorithm, this, that. The algorithm is, is really, really simple. It just wants, to, it's going to show content that is valuable to people. So if you have people spending more time on your post than on someone else's post, that tells Instagram that your post is more interesting and engaging and it's going to show your post versus someone else's it's just about keeping people on your on your page essentially on within your content as long as possible and having them connect and interact with it so um, those little hooks really really critical uh, and I'm glad that you uh, glad that you mentioned that what do you do for stories Adrian how do you how do you sort of differentiate in terms of what you put into your stories and what would be a, a strategy that you would recommend for people on a on a daily slash weekly basis I mean the biggest thing I would recommend which is something I do quite frequently and it gets so much traction in the stories when I do this is I'll share a video of an end result and then I'll post the like shades EQ formula or if I was doing great coverage, the you know color gel oils formula. Um, and I will detail it, including like the ounces that I use or the if you know, or the grams if you measure in grams that you use, but um giving them sort of a sneak peek of the end. And I also do a lot of advertising for my private education group on there, Lightning Library. And I think the the biggest thing that I will say is that the question boxes, utilizing those or like a poll are fabulous because for myself as an educator, when I was planning my independent education classes for 2024, I wanted to make sure I was going to places that were going to be places that maybe I've never ventured to before. I haven't thought about going to. And so I did a lot of polls, you know, out of these three places, where should I go? And you get so much activity when you, again, it's engaging your audience. That's really what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Any of those, any of those features that Instagram puts out, you should be using them because again, the more people that end up, it's clicking, they have to click on the poll and people are engaged by it. They're like, Ooh, people like to answer polls. People like to answer quizzes. People like to, you know, quickly share it. And if you make it simple and easy for them, they're going to click the more people that actually click, that's a signal to Instagram that your content is interesting and engaging. And that also is just helping your account overall get more and more visibility and get pushed by Instagram to new potential viewers. So really critical that you're constantly putting in these elements to your to your reels, to your stories that make it easy for people to to kind of click and engage with you in some capacity. Absolutely. Adrian, how do you measure the success of your Instagram account? I mean, you said you started it, you know, many years back, probably 2015, really started getting, you know, active and then, you know, launched a second, you know, a second account and then a third account and they've been growing and growing. How have you been sort of tracking and measuring the success of your Instagram accounts over time? Well, I think I, to be honest, I kind of don't really. Yeah, that's um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even someone that looks at insights a lot, which is so silly because they're there and they're fabulous and can help you. But I think that I've kind of always, without sounding too sappy, have sort of followed my heart on what I want to post um, because, you know, I really just want to put great educational content out there. So 
yeah, I really haven't like tracked it or, or gauged it. I, I appreciate the growth. I will say that <laughs> I appreciate the audience and the growth. Yeah. And you've, you've just sort of seen it continually growing. So I guess there's no, you know, flags to be like, something's not working here. I got to figure out what's, you know, what's wrong with it. Um, you know, which is, which is great. You know, some people might be trying certain things and they're just not getting traction. And obviously we know it's a lot harder to, to grow followers today in 2023 than it was in 2015 on Instagram. That's just a reality of a newer platform versus a more mature platform. And, you know, we've been seeing that with TikTok over the past few years. Those that got on it in, you know, 2020 were able to get tons and tons of followers right away. You know, it's a little bit harder already today than it was just three years ago on that platform. And the next time there's a new platform, you kind of want to be one of the first ones there to capitalize on the fact that it's new and there's not many people posting content yet. So everyone is viewing. I still think today I've asked you this. Are you on TikTok, Adrian? I am on TikTok. Yes. Under Adrian Dara on TikTok. Same. And you, you post there. How often do you post on TikTok? So it's funny because when I missed the boat in 2020. Um, and so I didn't get onto TikTok until actually last year. That was when I first got onto TikTok. And I did a couple posts right off the bat that got like a million views. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, TikTok, I am here for it. So and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to TikTok, whatever you want. And then I think that algorithm changed, right? And then it started to get more challenging. Um, I realize I'm still trying to actively figure out what the TikTok audience wants to see from my page. I have done kind of a mishmash, if you will, of different content on there and including a get ready with me, right? I mean, all of these these things, but yeah. I, fa I found, which is so fascinating that my TikTok audience actually wants less color education and more business education. And so whenever I post maybe like a verbiage script for like a price increase, I will get lots of views. And so, as opposed to if I just say, you know, um, you know, here, here's my color process. So I'm starting the early stages of sort of shifting that to be more business-based. So this actually, I'm going to re-ask my question from earlier about Instagram measuring, because it seems like you have been sort of trying to measure what's working and what's not on TikTok. So yeah. maybe just provide some insights from your experience as how you have been trying to figure out what's working and what's not on TikTok, because that could also be relevant for people to use the same kind of approach if they're just on Instagram today. Totally. And I, I mean, I think, listen, I'm by no means an expert on TikTok. Um, I, you know, I, I think I have 19.1 thousand followers. So I'm, I'm still, you know, trying to creep up to the top. But one of the things that I notice for me is I don't get a lot of comments on TikTok even if I have, you know, tons of views. So I realize what I believe is that my TikTok audience doesn't want to like engage with me. They just, just give me the information. I just want the information that I'm going to take it and then I'm going to use it, which is totally fine. Whereas on Instagram, it's more like, okay, this is awesome information. How would I apply this to this situation? So I think the biggest thing I've noticed is TikTok, it has to be shorter and it needs to be more upfront and blunt. Uh, maybe blunt is the wrong word, but just more upfront, clear. Um, this is what you should do. This is when you should do it, and just do it. <laughs> and which, which is kind of which is kind of why I've been moving more into business with that. Because just as a great example, um, one of my like most viewed posts, which was over a million views, I talked about the fact that I'm an hourly based stylist. Um, I said that my services can range between anywhere from, you know, five to six hours sometimes. And the main subject of the video was how I communicate that to a client to make sure that it's transparent. And that was one of my largest, you know, viewings of posts. And I think because 
it was really just essentially giving people a inside look into, you know, this is how, this is how I do my business. This is how it's been successful. And it's all based on being clear. And so now I find that any business posts I'm going to do, I'm going to give them clear information and say, this is how you do it. Love it. What percentage of your content would you say is the same across TikTok and Instagram versus different? You're posting something on Instagram, but you're not posting that on TikTok and you're posting something on TikTok that you're not posting on Instagram. So currently I would say 50% the same, 50% different because I really just recently in the last few weeks started changing what I'm doing on TikTok. Um, in the beginning, yes. Was I posting the same thing on my Instagram that I was on my TikTok? Totally. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But there's really no point to doing that because they're completely different audiences. And even if it's the same audience member, let's say it's the same person that follows you on Instagram, they want to see something else on TikTok. They want to kind of see the um, a little bit more of the, like the raw side of you, right? Like, like, okay, well, what are you really doing? Whereas I think Instagram, Instagram is such a phenomenal platform, I think, because, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, at least for myself, I've, I've learned so much about doing hair from Instagram, from watching people. It's like mini tutorials, whereas TikTok is more just straight, intensive information. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's more, there's more entertainment content on TikTok as well. I mean, overall, the, you know, people are consuming TikTok in a manner. You hit the nail on the head. People are on there for different purposes. They wouldn't just go to two different platforms to get the exact same information. And it is a big challenge out there. And, you know, we are certainly, you know, guilty of it ourselves it's about, you know, the time and the creativity to come up with different and unique content for every single platform. If you really want to go like all out and be like as good as you can possibly be on across all platforms, then yes, you do want to customize the content for each platform because they are different. The audience and what they're there for Yes, we we recognize that it's not always you know not always feasible, not always possible, and we're all uh, we're all human and have our our capacities and limitations. So, you know, it's it's not it's not wrong and terrible if you uh, if you are, but it's important to at least understand it and then recognize why maybe you know your TikTok account is not taking off and growing the way that you kind of expected it to because you're just taking your Instagram content and putting it there. So, you know, keep that in mind. I think is at least a a learning as a best practice to think about and to start working towards. And, you know, bit by bit, it becomes easier and easier as you start recognizing. No, totally. And I mean, we all get uh, writer's block, right? I mean, it's inevitable, you know, yeah. your content block, if you will, but uh, totally. I mean, you, if you want to be the best you can be on these social media platforms, you have to figure out, what version of yourself you need to be on each of them. You know, what would be a great example is when threads came out. Yeah. And you know, what I realized on threads is people were sharing less about doing hair that I follow who are hairstyles and more just about their personal lives. And so it's just understanding where you need to land with each of these platforms. Absolutely. All right. Couple last little questions here as we wrap up this uh, this great conversation with you, Adrian. Somebody who wants has big aspirations, right? They see the likes of you. They see the likes of you know Sam Via, some of the you know big big artists out there who have gained you know tremendous success in the education world. They're in demand, you know, for education for shows. There's a lot of people that have those aspirations. What what piece of advice would you say is really, really critical for them to focus on um, in order to stay on the path to getting there? Well, I think personally, and I think that I can, I can tell you what worked for me. Um, I always, and hopefully this will help and resonate with someone. 
uh, I always dreamed about uh, being affiliated with Redkin and being a Redkin brand ambassador. And so I made it like a mission for myself. I think if you can identify, um, if you want to be on the stage, right, and you want to be at shows, then you would have to essentially identify like a brand that you want to align with. And so I think the the biggest thing is to make sure that you are visible to that brand, constantly tagging them, um, hashtagging them, uh, talking about their products, why you love it. But I also think too, going to hair shows and networking is so incredibly important. One of the very first things that I did when I realized that like I really, really wanted to teach and be known was I went to Premier Orlando by myself in 2015. I didn't know anyone. And I walked from booth to booth and I introduced myself and made sure that people knew who I was. And I think that sort of bravery you need to do. And the last thing I'll say is um, I think making sure if you if you want to be at that level, making sure that you know it's it's a lot of work and it's never going to get, it will never be less work. It will actually only get more and more and more. And so, you know, if you ask me how many hours a week do I work, I have no idea. I work every day, but I'm I'm happy to do it, you know? So sort of buckle up if you want to do it. <laughs> Go for the ride. Yeah, I think that's really important advice. I mean, everybody in our society typically is always looking for like the easy, the easy path, the easy way out. Uh and that doesn't exist if you want to get to the top of the mountain. Like you don't just, uh, you know, open up your wings and, and get carried up there with the wind. Like you have to go through the the, the struggle, uh, you know, of physically climbing your way to the top. And not everybody is willing to get there as the altitude gets higher, as the conditions get harder. And it usually does get harder and harder as you go. And that's why there's only a few people at the top. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. So you have to ask yourself and challenge yourself deep down, you know, am I prepared to, to give it all that I've got and to keep going for, to follow that dream? Because it's out there. If you, if you just kind of keep working at it, right. You stay focused um, yep. on it. So totally. really, really critical. I th would say another thing that people can do is to follow people like Adrian Dara online, uh, you know, follow examples that are working right we don't need to reinvent some of the wheels let's learn from and we're so grateful that you've been on here sharing you know so many great insights here today i would encourage everyone to go and follow what adrian dara is doing online you know take some of her classes listen to her she is a an absolute i would say inspiration and great model not just in terms of her approach but i think you've heard through this episode today her humanity her kindness her um she has this what i would refer to as servant leadership where she really really genuinely just wants to give and care adrian if if people want to connect with you more how can they how can they do that where can they find you um yes absolutely and thank you for your kind words um they can follow me on instagram at, at adrian dara or you can visit my website www.adheducation.com and you can DM me anytime. I will absolutely write you back. Everyone go do that right now. It's again, <laughs> it's, it's networking, right? Just what Adrian, you know, mentioned earlier, you've got to network, you've got to put yourself out there. Uh, I encourage everyone to go and, and check out, um, you know, Adrian online and, and connect. One quick thing is she just mentioned that she responds to every single DM. So many people have Instagram accounts and do not reply to you know all the comments and dms that come your way that is one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is not replying someone has taken the time to reach out and engage with you on a comment even if they just you know comment on your post and say you know love this you know color like their reply or write them back a quick reply saying thank you so much have that uh, humility right to to be there and to reply respond back to people who are essentially showing you love online. I think that's really, really, really important. Last question we're going to leave with here today, Adrian, we asked this of all of our, uh, all of our guests. What advice would you give yourself if you were starting over your career today? Oh man. Um, 
Well, I would say be a little bit kinder to myself, but I kind of think those rough moments shaped me to be who I am. Um, you know, just in terms of doing hair, uh, I had a lot of tears shed in the early stages and mid stages of my career. But I also think, I also think the greatest advice I could give myself is telling myself that the scariest like the scariest part of any change or decision you're going to make for your career is on the side before you make it because you anticipate the worst. And once you do it and you sort of push yourself into the next part of your journey, um, there's no looking back. Whatever happens, happens. So I think really with all that being said, the biggest advice would be accept change um, accept the good and the bad and know it's not going to end your career. It's just going to shift your career. Love that. Great piece of advice for your younger self and for a lot of listeners out there, uh, out there today, Adrian, thank you so much again for, uh, for sharing with us today and, and being here on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was just such an honor. I appreciate your time. Amazing. Everyone hope you learned some great stuff. Please share this episode with someone else who can benefit. There are lots and lots of hairdressers, stylists, potential educators out there that can benefit from this amazing information. Let's share the love uh, and bring as many insights as possible to people to help them grow their, grow their careers, grow their lives, be more fulfilled. Um, and let's share some gratitude today uh, from that. Go get your hustle on everyone. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to the Salon Scoop podcast. This show is produced by Salon SOS, a digital marketing agency by industry professionals for industry professionals. If you want simple and affordable solutions for any of your salon marketing needs, such as websites, client loyalty, Google search rankings, social media, or more, come visit us at salonsos.ca or on Instagram at salon.s.o.s. If you want to hear more episodes like this and help us continue to bring the industry great content, it would mean so much to us if you would support us in one of the following ways. Either share this episode with one other industry professional and rate the show on Spotify or write us a quick review on Apple Music. We want to hear your feedback. If you have follow-up questions or ideas for future episodes, please reach out. DM us on Instagram at salonis.s.o.s or hit us up on our website again at salonsos.ca. Again, thanks so much for listening. Now go get your hustle on, keep smiling, and we'll catch you on our next episode.